0: was up at camp,
1: and I picked up a book while I was at camp. It caught my attention. It was by Robbie Zacharias, uh, who is an apologist, and the, and the title of the book just grew, just caught my attention. I had to buy it, and I read it. and it is, has Christianity failed you? Was the name of the title, and and as I was reading the book, it's a really good book. It's a deep book, really scholarly book. It really provoked my thoughts. That we would discuss an issue that really, I think, is on the hearts of a lot of people that we don't talk about. And it's the issue of being disappointed with God. And so I decided to do a series of messages. This is the beginning message. It's kind of an all-encompassing message of disappointment with God, because disappointment with God can be expressed in several different ways. And we're going to look at those expressions over the next few weeks. One is, is that you would be disappointed with the church, and there's a lot of reasons for that, and we'll talk about that next week. The other is that you were disappointed with God because he didn't answer prayer. Another reason is that you're disappointed with yourself and your Christian walk. And and so I thought we would address that issue, these these this five-week series. And I've been really praying about this and really thinking about how to communicate with you concerning this issue. So there's a couple of things I want you to see. It, it's an unspoken reality in our churches. Disappointment with God exists in our churches, but we don't talk about it. And here's a couple points I want to make to you. The fact is, is that many suffer in silence or anger. Many suffer in silence or anger. In fact, you might be here, I'm just going to be honest with you, and, and what I'm going to talk about today is where you are at, but nobody else knows it. Because you don't talk about it. Because, I mean, it's, it almost doesn't seem real like you would come to church and say, okay, how many of you are disappointed? You can tell us why. Oh yeah, I'm I'm really mad at God because of this. I mean, that doesn't happen in church. You know what I'm saying? In church, we want to talk about everything going great. We want to talk about everything happening fine. In fact, if we were to say we're going to have a gripe session later, most of you wouldn't show up simply because you don't want to hear it. You know what I'm talking about? And we're all aware of that, so when we have disappointment in our lives, because maybe he didn't answer the prayer the way we thought, or maybe because we were disappointed because of something that happened in church, or with the church, or maybe because we're disappointed in ourselves, in our own Christian walk, we don't express that out loud, so we suffer in silence, or we suffer in anger. And some of you are angry. And you're suffering there in silence about the stuff that's happened. About your disappointment. It's real. It's real. We can't talk about it, but it's real. It is the unspoken reality, folks, in our churches. It is the unspoken reality. And and in fact, here's the second thing I want you to see here, is that disappointment has caused them to give up. For some people, they finally get to the point where, like, what is the use? I am so angry, I am so disappointed, I can't talk about it. Why even bother? Why even bother? Nobody wants to hear. Nobody wants to understand. God's not answering me. Everybody wants to act like life is wonderful, life is peachy, and life is collapsing on me. Why even bother? So I've had enough. And so they leave. And then what makes you even more angrier is when nobody calls. Hey, we didn't see you this week, and it just irks you, and that disappoints you even more. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Let me say, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I'm not saying this is you, but you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, this is reality. And some of you here may have given up, except you haven't left. You just are here for the kids, or you're here for a spouse. Or you're here for a parent. Do you understand? But you've gotten to the point where you've given up. The disappointment is real. It is real. And you've given up. And you may not have physically left, but mentally you're gone. You're thinking about the game later on. Because that's what brings excitement. Because God has disappointed you one too many times. The pain is real. The anger is real. And that's the unspoken reality. And, and folks, I guess when I was reading that book, it really stood out to me. We need to talk about this. We need to address it. We need to understand the reality is, is that so many of us, because you might be hearing you saying, well, I'm not disappointed with God right now. Just wait. It'll come. It'll come. Because His ways are not our ways. And just when you think you've got God figured out, you haven't got Him figured out. And the emotions and the anger and the feelings are real. But I want to point something out to you here. And that's this. The response that we normally take by giving up really is not a good response. We said, what's the only option, George? No, no, there's another option. Because what we define our disappointment with god is is that oftentimes it's because we are disappointed with church but church is made up of who folks human beings and folks human beings will disappoint you if you base your faith and your trust on yourself and how you're doing you're going to disappoint yourself and you say yeah that's why right. i'm angry with myself right now yeah i understand that but that's not where you need to look Some of you would say, well, George, I'm mad at God because He didn't answer this prayer and and He didn't do what I thought He should do in this situation. In fact, He was silent. I understand that. But maybe your perception of who God is is not right. Maybe your perception of what He should be doing is not right. Because I'm going to be honest with you, when you look at the Bible, when you look at the Scriptures, if there was ever anything to communicate to you an answer or a comfort in the midst of your disappointment. It's the Bible. It's the Scriptures. In fact, we're in the book of Psalms. The Psalms are songs, but they're also called laments. In fact, we're going to be looking at a lament here in a moment. What's a lament? It's a heart cry. It's a, ah! That's what a lament is. It's a crying out to God. And that's what we need to do. God, I'm hurt. God, I'm disappointed. God, I need you. Where are you? I feel like giving up. Look with me. I'll I'll let the psalm speak for itself. Because this is a fellow by the name of Asaph. Look at what he writes. Verse 1. I cried out to God with my voice, to God with my voice, and He gave ear to me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered the God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Selah. Now, let me just stop for a moment. Selah is, is, a, is a Hebrew word that means to think about it. Think about what he's saying here is what it, the writer is saying. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled I cannot speak. I've considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart. My spirit makes diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? And will He be favorable no more? Has His mercy ceased forever? Has His promise failed forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has His anger shut up His tender mercies? Selah. So think about it. And I said, This is my anguish. But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. Your way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? You're the God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among the peoples. You have with your arm redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph, Selah. The waters you saw, O God, the waters you saw, they are afraid. The depths also trembled. The clouds poured out water and the sky sent out a sound. Your arrows also flashed about. The voice of your thunder was whirlwind. The lightnings lit the world, the earth trembled and shook, and your way was in the sea, your path in the great waters, and your footsteps were not known, and you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Folks, we could take this passage and basically divide it into two sections. We're going to see, first of all, anguish, which is the first section. You see that verses basically in verses 1 through the first part of 10. And then we're going to see the issue of finding comfort. We see that in verses 11 through 12. What we see here is a real prayer. We see a guy who's lamenting, who's crying out "Ah!" about something that's going on in his life. And we see that anguish here in the first ten verses. So let me just point out to you a couple things here, first of all, that we see here. First of all, in verses 1 through 2, we see that there is no rest in pleading with God. There's no rest. He said, I cried out to God with my voice. To God with my voice. And he gave ear to me. In the day of my trouble I sought the Lord. My hand stretched out in the night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Because you're going, maybe you've gone through a situation or a circumstance and you just cried out with bitter tears towards God. You cried out. You even lifted out your hand and your soul just refused to be comforted. Prayer didn't matter at that point. It wasn't helping you. You know what I'm talking about? You ever been in such a situation that no matter how many times you pray, no matter what you're saying, it's just like, wow, my prayers aren't getting past the ceiling. I mean, you know what I'm talking about now. It's like I'm praying, I'm crying, and it's just like there's no comfort there in prayer. So it's like, why even bother? Why even bother to pray? There's no rest in pleading with God. No rest at all. In fact, if you look at verse 3 through 6, here's another aspect. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Selah, you hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled I cannot speak. I've considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I've called to remembrance my song. and the night I meditate within my heart, my spirit makes diligent search. What's going on here? He's looking for some sort of response from God. But what's going on here is this. Here's the point I want you to see. The lack of response amplifies the pain. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, you're going through a problem. You're going through a difficulty. And you're crying out to Him. There's no rest in crying out to Him. And you're seeking Him. You're not satisfied. In fact, notice, you get to the place where you can't even speak anymore because you're so troubled by what's going on that when you cry out to Him... There's no response from Him. And all that does is just amplify the problem. All that does is just amplify what's going on. You feel abandoned. It's like, where are you, Lord? Don't you know what's going on in my life right now? Can't you see the difficulty I'm in? I don't know how to handle this. I don't even sense your presence anymore, Lord. This is what the psalmist is talking about here. And all that does is just amplify... Well, there must be a problem with me. It just amplifies the pain. It makes the pain that we're trying to bear even harder because it seems like even God doesn't care. Even God doesn't care. And the lack of response amplifies the pain. And then here's what happens. Look at it. He's going to raise a couple of questions here. Look with me at 7 through 10. He says, Will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Has his mercy ceased forever? Has his promise failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? What's going on here, folks? Look at what I'm saying. Questions arise concerning God and his care. Here's what happens during that time. You begin to question who God is. You begin to question, can he really do this? Can he really handle this? You begin to question, does he really care about me? Look at what verse 10 says, first part of verse 10. This is my anguish. Folks, you can can write it down this way if you want to. This is my disappointment. This is my disappointment. Because no matter how much I plead, I don't find any rest. No matter how much I go to Him and cry out to Him about this issue that's going on in my life, there's no rest no matter how much I go to Him and cry out in the anguish, the fact that there's no response from Him just amplifies my problem in my heart. It just amplifies the pain. In my, 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 and I start to begin to question, God, God, are You there? God, are You the one who did all this great stuff? Why aren't You doing it in my life? God, do You even care about me? The writer is right, isn't it? Verse 10, this is my anguish. This is my anguish. This is my disappointment. And it's real for us, isn't it, folks? Some of you right now can relate to every word that he's saying here in this psalm. Because you're there. There is no rest in pleading with him. You are pained by the fact that he is not giving you any, any answer whatsoever. And you begin to question in your mind, does he even care? Is he even real? Where are you, God? Have you forgotten to be gracious? Are you angry with me? This is the anguish. But I want you to notice something. In the middle of verse 10, he puts an interesting little word here. Look at what he says. This is my anguish. But notice what he says. But I will remember the years of the right hand of the most... I Here's what you need to do. If you if you don't mind writing in your Bible, just you know underline that but I will remember. But I will remember. Here, here's 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 how we're going to find comfort here as we look at these verses here. The psalmist says, even though this anguish is going on in his mind, even though this anguish is going on in his heart where he, he can't Grasp the reality. He's, he's bothered by the silence. He's, he's even questioning God. He chooses a different path. He he chooses not to throw in the towel because that's that seems to be the only option, isn't it? When you're feeling like God's not listening to you, you're questioning Him, and, and, and the pain is real, and, and it seems like the thing to do is just throw in the towel. We're not coming out for the next round. I'm throwing it in. That would seem to be the natural option here, right? But that's not what the psalmist does. That's not what Asaph does here. He, he he does something else. And the key word there is but. You've got to grasp the other option here. And here's the other option. Here's the first thing we've got to do in finding comfort. You've got to remember God. You've got to remember God. Look at what he says there, verse 10 and 11. But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. Look at what he says. I will remember the works of the Lord. Verse 11. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. See, he's not going to... Let his present circumstances and the silence that he's going through dictate how he's going to respond. He's going to choose a different way. And what he's going to do now is rather than be defeated by what he's going through, he's going to stop for a moment and remember, who am I talking about here? I'm going to remember that I'm talking about the God of the universe. I'm going to remember the victories that he has brought. I'm going to remember the great things he has done and folks we can even personalize it here because here's the reality do you think that that problem you're going through is the first time you went through a problem it isn't and let me just kind of prepare you here it won't be the last if you're a human breathing living you're going to go through some problems you know what I'm talking about if you've been around long enough, you can think back to the times when you have gone through some difficult circumstances, through some deep waters, and what happened, folks? God brought you through them, didn't He? And if you remember back clearly enough, you remember you were acting the same way back in that problem. Where are you, Lord? Help me through this. Do you care? But he brought you through it. I will remember, is what he says. But I will remember. you got to remember God. You've got to remember who He is. You've got to remember how much He cares for you. You've got to remember God. In fact, it brings up the next point. He's going to add one more component here. Look with me at verse 12. He says, I will also meditate on your work and talk of your deeds. you got to think about God. It's got to be more than just remember. You've got to think about who He is and what He's done in your life. You've got to meditate on it. Meditate on it. The word meditate is kind of like chewing the cud. You know what I'm saying? Some of you grew up grew up on a farm. Some of you, we've got some folks here that grew up on a dairy farm and they've been around cattle. And you know, cows have more stomachs than we do, and they're constantly what chewing the cud. It's like, man, talk about enjoying a meal forever. That's what we need to do. We need to, to enjoy the thoughts of who God is in the midst of our problems. In the midst of our anguish and our disappointment. He says, I will remember, but here's what he says, I will meditate on what you've done, God. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to think about what you did and how you've worked out that miracle in my life before. Look with me at verse 13 and 15. Here's what he says. You're O God. It's a sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? You're a God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among the prophets. You have, with your arm, redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. Think about that, Selah. Here's what he's saying. Put your faith in God. Put your faith, put your trust back in God. Look folks, and when I talk about faith, we gotta, I gotta delineate that for you. It's more than just belief. It's a trust in, a commitment to. Do you understand what I'm saying? So many of us think of faith is just, oh yeah, I believe He can do that. But you don't really have faith that He can do that. Faith is an issue of trust. It's not a belief issue. You can believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You can believe all that. I mean, the demons believe it, and they don't change. The reality is, do you trust Him? Do you trust Him? It has to do with trust. And so what he's saying here, the psalmist is saying here, when you look at those verses, he's talking about who God is. Why? Because in the midst of his anguish and pain, he just doesn't remember who God is. He just doesn't think about who God is. He puts his faith and trust in God. God, I'm going to trust you through this. God, I'm going to trust You through my anger, through my hardship right now, through my pain, through this difficulty. Lord, I don't understand. Your ways are not my ways, and it may not turn out the way, but I'm going to trust You, Lord, because You are love, and You will express perfect love towards me. And so even though I may not think this is the right thing to do, Lord, I'm going to trust You because I know You have my best interest at heart. I'm going to trust You. I'm going to trust You. So the psalmist is saying there, put your faith... In God. But there's one other thing he says here, and it's really the last part, verse 16 through 20. It seems like, man, all of a sudden he's talking about water? What's going on here? I mean, I could follow him up to this point, but then we talk about water. What's going on here? What's, what's happening here? Well, the point is I want you to see is find your comfort in the testimony of God's Word. Because the testimony he gives us in verse 16 through 20 has to do with the parting of the Red Sea when god delivered israel from the egyptians by parting the oceans he's talking about the supremacy of god over the waters of the sea and how he brought israel through by the hand of moses and aaron what's he doing here he's reflecting on the testimony of scripture and what it says about your god that's an inf- that's something you and i need to do because here's the thing how you build your faith is not just like oh build my faith lord look at what the Word of God says about who your God is and then you place your trust in this is the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob this is the God who raised the widow's son from the dead with Elijah this is the God who walked on the water this is the God who fed the 5,000 this is the God who healed the blind and made the lame to see and cleansed the lepers this is the God who raised from the dead this is where my trust is But how are you going to know that? Unless you read His Word. Unless you find your comfort in the testimony of His Word. Do you see what the psalmist is doing here? He is refusing to allow his disappointment to dictate his life. You say, okay, George, how do we wrap this up? Because I'm trying to see how this, this equates together, how this comes together for this whole issue of disappointment. Well, let me ask you a couple questions. Are you disappointed or angry with God? you got to start off there first. Are you right now disappointed or angry with God in your life? Did He not do something that you thought He should do? Are you frustrated because of this issue or that issue? And right now, in your mind, you're just thinking about, Man, I am so upset with Him. Let's just start right off the bat and just say this. Let's quit being silent about it. If you're upset with God, let's admit it. Take someone aside that you think is mature who can maybe help you and say to them, look, I am struggling. Right now I am angry with God about this. I am disappointed with this. I need help. Quit suffering in silence. Let's be real. Because the reality is, listen to me folks, You're going to be disappointed. You're going to be angry. Those are normal feelings. Because the reality is, is we don't understand Him. We don't understand His ways. We don't understand why He does what He does. So it's okay for you to be angry. And He understands that. You think God's sitting up in heaven thinking, on His throne, I wonder why that guy's got a toot. Doesn't he know? No, he doesn't know. God understands that about you. He understands how we respond to pain. Do you think he understands? So let's admit it. Are you disappointed or angry with God? The next thing is, is have you given up? Have you given up? You're here either silently and you've given up, or or you know somebody, you're like ready to walk out the door. I ain't coming back there no more. In fact, every one of us knows somebody who's given up. In fact, we know some buddies who have given up. See, how this psalm fits into it is this way. Because in this psalm, we're introduced to somebody who just expressed to you in the first ten verses his anguish. And every one of us here can relate to him, right? Can you not relate to him? But the difference is, is this guy did not allow that disappointment to dictate his response. He chose a different path. Because it really came down to what he believed and trusted about his God. That's really what the issue is. And he chose to remember, to think, and to put his trust in, and to find comfort in God's Word. Even though he didn't know what was going to happen, he was going to place himself in the hands of a God that he trusted to know better than himself about what should happen. Do you know what I'm saying? And sometimes that's hard. But I'm going to trust in my God. So here's the action point here, folks. Here's what I need you to do this week. It's time to stop suffering in silence. It's time to stop being angry in silence. It's time to be real. And so what I need you to do is, this is the action point, be real with God. You need to go to Him and say, Lord, I find no rest in praying to You. Your silence only amplifies my pain. Be real. Here's what I want you to do. you got to chuck it. You've got to chuck the lie. Because somehow in our churchiness, in our church culture, we've communicated this this lie that says that you can't be real with God. That you just need to suck it up and just take your licks and you don't talk to him about it because he doesn't want to hear it. No, 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 no. Give me a break. He does want to hear it. So be real with
0: him.